Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Leila. And I'm Sophia. And, and we, we are unapologetic. unapologetic. Welcome to today's episode. On today's episode, we will talk about happiness, the pursuit of it, and why many of us may lack it. Harvard conducted a study on adult development in which they tracked the lives of 268 sophomore men during the Great Depression. The study lasted nearly 80 years, and they hoped that this study would reveal clues leading to healthy and happy lives. And they found that close relationships more than money or fame are what keep people happy throughout their lives. In other studies, researchers have concluded that happy people have nine things in common, some of which include healthy relationships, more time, sufficient money, reflecting, and acts of kindness. And it got us thinking about what happiness means through the lens of a Muslim. When does this pursuit of happiness begin? First, let's look at happiness. Happiness is when your life fulfills your needs. In other words, happiness comes when you feel satisfied and fulfilled. Happiness is a feeling of contentment that life is just as it should be. And I feel that the pursuit of happiness begins right at birth. An infant will cry until her diaper is changed or until he is fed. A toddler will throw a tantrum until he or she gets what he or she wants. A teen will act out because his or her life is not going the way it should. And subconsciously, we carry this around with us as adults. We're on this pursuit of happiness. We long for happiness. And we forget that every single day when we wake up, we actually can choose happiness for ourselves. From Hadith, we learn that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu said, The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, When any of you sleeps, Satan ties three knots at the back of his neck. He recites this incantation at every knot. You have a long night, so sleep. If he awakes and remembers Allah, one knot is loosened. If he performs wudu, the second knot is loosened. And if he performs prayer, all knots are loosened. He begins his morning in a happy and refreshed mood. Otherwise, he gets up in bad spirits and sluggish state. And subhanAllah, I'm sure all of us can relate to this, right? If you wake up and you pray Fajr on time and you're even able to pray Sunnah before Fajr, you know that your day goes smoothly. You just feel like you're energized, you're refreshed, you feel like you have more time to do what you need to do, as opposed to when maybe you overslept or you decided to pull an all-nighter. We don't realize that that first prayer actually sets the tone for our entire day. When we're doing our morning adhkar, we're also taught to say a beautiful dua. And the meaning of this dua is, I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. I am pleased with Islam as religion and Muhammad wasallam as my prophet. So looking at this, we actually can choose happiness for ourselves. And it's in the little acts that we do and the way that we start our day, every single day. Do you think that happiness should be the main objective in our life? Personally, I don't think that happiness should be the main objective in a person's life because if we're going to be honest not every day is a happy day not every day is going to be the best day of your life rather there will be a day for you and there will be a day against you there will be a day that you will be happy and a day that somebody else will be happy 
and no two days are the same. So if I wake up every single day in chase of this happiness and every morning I awake and I'm like, I have to find why I'm happy today. I forget to smell the roses. I forget to, you know, express my feelings to a loved one. I forget to take care of what I should take care of because I'm in such pursuit of this happiness. And you know, when you're chasing after something, it's not something minor. It's not like, let me look for happiness in the smaller things. We usually tend to search for larger things, which is why there's a void within us. And I feel like personally in our generation, we sort of feel entitled to happiness. And although happiness is something that yes, we should seek, and it is an amazing thing for someone to be sincerely happy, but it's that we search after this happiness so hard and with, you know, with all our hearts that it's just we're so overwhelmed with being happy and showing people we're happy and proving to people that we're happy that we enclose ourselves into this little box and forget there's more to life than just being happy. Not every day will be a perfect or even ideal day. Some days will not. And what does that say? If we believe that we should always be happy and constantly happy, what happens if a day is against you? Are you just going to throw away everything and throw away the towel because, oh, I'm not happy today or let me start over tomorrow and I'll be happy tomorrow. If we look at the happiest day of a person's life, what was it? Maybe it was the day they got married. Maybe it was the day they had their first child. Maybe they bought a house. Maybe they got a new car. Maybe they graduated. That day will have to end. And now after that day is complete, the person is in search of a newfound form of happiness. What we fail to realize as humans is that we have a void within us and that void cannot be filled without looking at yourself first and without examining what is it within you that is empty that you are constantly in search of being full for. And it's interesting because if you look at this concept of emptiness, there's always a quick fix nowadays. If you don't like your teeth, forget about braces, you get veneers. If you don't like your lips, you get your lip fillers. But what ends up happening is, say a person checks off everything on their list. Every imperfection is now perfect. They're not happy. They're not fully satisfied with that. And that's because happiness essentially is you being content with your imperfections. You being okay with the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you and realizing that you are imperfectly perfect. And a lot of times this chase to be visually perfect, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, this chase and wanting to be visually perfect comes at the cost of our inner perfection and our inner beauty. Sure, you can have beautiful teeth, perfect skin, you can have it all, right? But you're a horrible person. You are bad to your parents. You have no friends because you are not a good person to be around. And the problem occurs when we focus on our outer being that we forget who we are on the inside. You won't accessorize before you put on clothes. You won't fix a branch if the problem is with the roots. So why are we obsessed with everything but ourselves? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ra'ad verse 11, Verily, Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is within themselves. And this is proof from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that an individual must first and foremost put in that effort of change. It will not come to you overnight. It will not come to you through a doctor. It will not come to you through reading a certain book. Except changing the condition of your heart and only then will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aid you as an individual. 
does social media have a direct impact on a person's level of happiness? So there was this study done by Vice News and they asked teens about their general happiness and they looked at what they did with their time. So they found that the teens who spent time seeing their friends in person, exercising, attending religious services, reading, playing sports, these teens were happier compared to the ones who spent more time on the internet, playing computer games, on social media, texting, and every activity that didn't involve a screen was linked to more happiness. And you see this nowadays because we've all seen people take social media breaks. And the truth is, social media takes a toll on a person's mental health, their perception of reality, their body image, how they view themselves, the definition of success, all of these things come from overexposing yourself to social media. When we go on social media, when we go on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, we see someone's life the way they want to project it. So we see someone maybe getting married, buying a new car. And if we're not happy with ourselves, if we're not happy with the homes that we are living in, with the cars that we are driving or the public transit that we are taking with the way that we look in the mirror, we find ourselves unhappy. We find that it takes a toll on us. And the grass isn't always greener on the other side. What this person is portraying in maybe their filtered images or their filtered life doesn't really coincide with the reality. And it's not like Allah made a mistake with planning out your life. You're going to get things when it's your time. And sometimes social media bombards us with, why am I not doing this with my life? Everybody's graduating around me. What am I doing? Everybody's getting married. Why am I not getting married? Everybody's having a kid. Why am I not a mother? Or why am I not a father? You know, it's crazy because if you actually look at it, We've been exposed to social media from such a young age that this is all we actually know. And all of these years building up until now, you've been brainwashed into thinking that a certain lifestyle is the life that you should live. A certain way is the only way to be happy. As time progresses, it will start to slowly maneuver its way into your mind until that story is the only story for you. And until you start to want that, your heart wants it and your heart desires it and your heart will not be at peace until it attains that specific thing. It's just one of those things where we have to, you know, you look at people taking a social media break and ultimately it's because this void within them is screaming. And you know, every time I see somebody go on a social media break, they come back and they say, I've had so much time to do what I need to do. All of my tasks are being done. I'm happier. I'm spending more time outdoors. I'm spending more time with my family. So, you know, this life that we create on social media, it does more harm for us than it does good. And even if you look at it, like social media in the eyes of a Muslim compared to a non-Muslim are completely two different things. Because maybe as to where a non-Muslim, what they're being advertised and what they're being sold is completely different than what we're being sold. And it's sad because some of these influencers that we trust, you know, we trust our kids to watch them and we trust ourselves to watch them. And we've seen them grow through so many stages of their lives. Some of these people, they turn out to be exactly what we thought they weren't, right? And although everybody's humans and we all have flaws and we all have mistakes, it's crazy because it's slowly conditioning us. Day by day, the amount of exposure you're giving yourself to this social media, it is conditioning you to the point where one day you wake up and realize, oh, my heart has died in the process of all of this. We even see people 
that have started off with the full hijab, right? And slowly over time, more hair is being exposed from the baby hairs to the bangs to maybe the entire hijab being removed. And this really takes a toll on someone who maybe seen this person and kind of idolized this person. You know, sometimes it makes that person think, okay, am I beautiful in the full hijab? You know, should I remove the hijab altogether? And it's sad because maybe the person's viewers were holding on to the hijab because of them. They thought that maybe this person that, you know, is in the public light and they're so strong and so motivational and that's why you were holding on to it. But now this person, all of a sudden, they take off their hijab for whatever reasons they take it off, right? Now what happens? There's four or five girls that that shek, that doubt has entered their heart. And now they're thinking, oh, but, you know, if she can't do it, what makes me think that I can do it? And now this poor little 13, 14 year old girl with her own insecurities takes off the hijab. And it even gives us light into like even reminders. What type of reminders does a person give? And of to what benefit is it, right? And which reminders are popular and which ones don't make the cut, right? Because sometimes you can see somebody who posts a verse of the Quran and it gets 2,000 retweets, 4,000 likes. And you're here with just 100 followers, maybe 40 followers, whatever the case may be. You post a reminder that has maybe one like you know three retweets and you feel like this is not good enough let me just delete it we have this notion where we need to reach a certain level of attention and we have to have certain number of followers for our voices to count for our voices to be heard and the sad thing is the quran is the same quran you know why should i remove it why should i delete a tweet that maybe affected one person because you know it doesn't have much traction. And even if we look at, you know, our podcast, this started off as two sisters with an idea and we didn't know how far it would go and how many ears it would reach. We just knew that we wanted to make a change and we didn't really have support from the outside. There was maybe the first episode, there was a lot of support. But aside from that, you know, alhamdulillah, we value our loyal listeners. But aside from that, we really didn't have any social media presence. But we tried and we put in the effort. And one thing that we always told ourselves that no matter how many people were listening, we would still post, inshallah, because it's not about how many people listen to a podcast. Rather, it's about did it even, the effort that I'm putting in, did it even touch one person? Did it change the life of one person? Because for you to benefit one person sincerely, how do you know that that's not your ticket into Jannah? And that's the thing with us all. We feel like if everything we do is not so far reached and if we give a halaqa, it has to be jam-packed or if we give a reminder it has to be shared across everyone's whatsapp right we're not just content with oh alhamdulillah one person has benefited but if we become people who are focused more on the quality rather than the numbers of people that it's reaching and that sort of fake form of happiness that's when we begin to understand things and the puzzle starts to fall into place many of our muslim youth today openly talk about how unhappy they are right? They're dealing with things, they're going through things. Why do you think that our Muslim youth are unhappy? Ultimately, I think it's because of a lack of a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah tells us in the Quran that, you know, those who forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah causes them to forget themselves. And what does that mean, essentially? It's not that a person will forget their name or identity, but the person will forget their whole purpose in this life. Even if we think about it, how many Muslim people do we know that really pray? 
right? How many Muslim people do we know that have a relationship with the Quran, that do acts of righteousness? Our lack of happiness stems from the fact that we don't know the one who is in control of our happiness, right? We're so far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes I feel like even those of us who are practicing, we come to this end and it's just a dead end. And you know, we're sort of doing these acts of righteousness, but we're not doing them at the level of the heart anymore. And happiness stems from a person's heart. And that's also, ironically enough, the place where iman, where faith lives in a person, right? And instead of nurturing this iman, the outlets that people rush towards is the complete opposite of what a person actually needs. You know, we have Muslim youth involved in taking drugs and drinking alcohol. And I genuinely believe that our youth are not bad youth. They are just unhappy. I feel that they don't know how to target this unhappiness in a way that's healthy, in a way that will actually lead them to happiness. And it's sad because we are not taught the proper coping mechanisms. How else can a person get out of a situation, a certain environment, when all they know is drugs, when all they know is gangs, when all they know is violence, when all they know is haram relationships, right? We are not being taught this in our religious communities. We are not being taught this in our homes. Because a lot of us come from families where our parents left war-torn countries. They are dealing with their own issues, right? Somebody can't pour out of an empty glass. And that is why the main objective of our lives shouldn't be happiness. Rather, it should be contentment. It should be being pleased and being satisfied with the way that Allah is writing our life. We have to look at every situation and say, Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. We should praise Allah despite our situation, in spite of our situation. And only then will we be happy, as happy as we can be in this dunya. So when does this pursuit of happiness end? Ultimately, in this life, a person will never truly have a moment where he just says, uh-huh, that's it, I'm happy. And they will never truly like grasp happiness and it will not be theirs to keep. Because as we said, there is a day for you and there is a day against you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 185, he says, Allah intends for you ease and does not intend for you hardship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants ease for you. The Lord of all the world wants ease for you, every single person as an individual. He doesn't want you to go through all these trials and tribulations. But the matter of fact is that this whole world was created as a testing ground. And it is to test each and every one of us as to which of us is best in deeds. So we will be tested and trials will come our way. And we won't always like the trials. But that's not to say that a person cannot be content with their life. And what gives me a sense of hope and happiness is that when a person is dying, the person who said their whole life, Allah, indeed, those who said our Lord is Allah, and then they remain steadfast on that. There will be no fear concerning this individual, nor will they grieve. And if you think about that, an angel coming to you at the time of death and telling you that there's no fear and there's no grief, that's a happiness that's yours to keep for the first time in your life. And that happiness will never leave you because you know what comes after that point is nothing but good. Everything that you went through in your life, all the hardship, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, Anything that you suffered is worth it because you passed this exam. And I think about the hadith where Allah will ask the people of paradise, are you satisfied? And they will say, why should we not be satisfied when you have given us what you have not given to any other creation? And Allah will say, 
Shall I not give you something better than that? And they will say, Oh, our Lord, what is better than that? And Allah will say, I will grant you my pleasure and I will never be displeased with you again. So all of the toil in the dunya, all of the hardships, all of the struggles, it leads to something greater in the hereafter because you will find a Lord that is never displeased with you again. You know, in the dunya, when someone is displeased with you, you feel horrible. You feel like a complete disappointment. But realizing that the Lord of the worlds will never be displeased with you ever again, that is the ultimate goal. That is the objective. So the objective is not us being happy in this dunya. The objective is Allah never being displeased with us ever again. So for anyone out there that's suffering with depression and anxiety and is really going through it right now, just know that your storm too shall pass. Just like the seasons change, the situations change. And maybe this year is the worst year of your life, but maybe the upcoming year is the best year of your life. And look at yourself, ask yourself, what can I change to be a better product in my environment? What can I change about myself and what can I work on so that my circumstances start to change? And draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't be shy from getting closer to Allah despite what it takes. Read the Quran, you know, pray salat more often. Take that step towards a happiness that starts from within you. Try to live a life where gratitude is your focus. Try to thank Allah for everything that he's given you. Try to incorporate thanking Allah for the blessings you have without you having any control over it. A lot of the blessings you have in your life, you didn't ask Allah for it, but Allah out of his mercy gave them to you. So if you ever feel like you're unhappy or you're feeling ungrateful because of your situation, because of your life, take a step back and reflect. And remind yourself that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with so much and be hopeful that he will bless you with so much more. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep each and every one of you happy until you meet him. We have some exciting news coming for you all in the new year. So stay tuned and be patient with us inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.